This week's episode is another interview recorded at our Lesson Builder Summit in September. So please excuse the background noise as you listen to the interview with Jared e. Pearson from Tribuco Hills High School. Hi, my name is Jaredy Pearson. Um, I am a teacher here in Saddleback Unified. I teach English grades 9 and 10 at Tribuco Hills High School. Um, my grade 9 classes are actually part of the MedSci program as a pre-MedSci class, so students can see if they want to join the program before diving in. And I know you, as part of your class, you do a big unit on the hero's journey. Can you tell us what is the hero's journey and, and why is it important for your classes? So the hero's journey is really this archetype or common story structure that is utilized far more than just an English class. Um, it really applies to just storytelling as a whole. So students often struggle with this concept because there are so many different steps or layers to the hero's journey. And my goal with it was not just for them to understand this idea and understand how the hero's journey looks and what it what it looks like in a story, but to be able to apply it to things that they see outside of school. So for example, we start learning about the hero's journey with Moana. It's a movie that many students are familiar with and they can apply it in their own ways. Then after we talk about Moana as a class, students apply it to any book, movie, TV show, video game, story of their choice and trace that character's process through the hero's journey. Now all of this is fun, but it's really getting us geared up for our big Odyssey unit where we trace Odysseus's journey as a hero or not hero, depending on a student's outlook, throughout his adventure. Um, now, I really struggle with the Odyssey because I don't really like teaching it. It's complex and students don't typically enjoy it. So I wanted to find a way that would make it interesting and engaging, but also still relevant which is why I apply the hero's journey for multiple texts, and we apply it to examples outside of school as well. So they can see the hero's journey in contemporary movies and TV and stories, and then go back and see almost the original hero's journey exactly. with the Odyssey. And they get to see it in different ways too, because sometimes the Odyssey will follow a hero's journey exactly up until a certain point. But then you'll look at the Avengers movies, or you'll look at Moana, you'll look at Disney's examples, and every different studio or every different director or writer or author, whatever they may be, will do the hero's journey in a little bit of their own way. So they follow this overall path, but there are always minor differences, and it's those differences that really make a story its own. So you have students then write their own hero's journey using an unusual tool that surprises a lot of people. Yes. How do you have the students making their own hero's journey? So I have students actually use Ozobots, these little adorable baby robots, um, to trace their understanding of the hero's journey in the Odyssey. So they don't have to come up with their own story. They don't have to come up with a whole narrative and character development, but they are representing their understanding of this complex idea in a way that is engaging, inventive, 
hands-on, collaborative, and it allows them to also be creative while working in groups. So this is really a way that has kind of brought the Odyssey to life for both me and my students. And it's also taken the focus off of me. I don't have to be the one who's always just giving students the information, but they have to really kind of struggle with using these Ozobots in order to tell the Odysseus's story using a little robot. One of the things that I think about when I when I see the kids doing this, we think of asking kids to be creative, and we typically think of them either writing or drawing something. This is using, what you're doing is having them use technology, it's programming, mm-hmm. to tell a story. That's exactly what every video game studio does right now is that is a huge, huge area of, of employment that is maybe under underappreciated where, t- where, where people are making a lot of money uh, programming to tell a story and you're having kids do that with Ozobots. Absolutely. I mean, we're trying to prepare our students for jobs that don't yet exist. So why not try something new? If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But often students will still learn a valuable skill, even if the overall project doesn't work. Um, it's actually, I'm actually really excited for this year. My freshmen are going to be doing the exact same unit. Um, I haven't decided if I'm going to be doing the project with the Ozobots the exact same way as last year. I might switch things up a little bit, but I'm actually also going to be teaching Ready Player One in my freshman classes, which is all about interactive and immersive gaming experiences. Now, not being a gamer myself, this is going to be a really challenging unit, but it will be high interest for a lot of my students. And it will allow us to kind of go beyond what a typical English classroom looks like, because typical English classrooms might not focus on such control with technology or such immersive experiences using technology. So my goal is kind of to focus on the hero's journey with both the Odyssey and the Ready and Ready Player One using the Ozobots, but then also getting the Ozobots to be kind of a preliminary experience of students storytelling using technology in my perfect world where students would then, after reading Ready Player One, develop their own kind of game, whether it be a physical game that people play with some kind of a narrative aspect to it, or in a perfect world, possibly even developing some kind of a digital game, whether it be a video game or an app. But I want students to really be able to apply their their skills and their learning from English in a way that will be relevant for people outside of the classroom. I, I want to come help with that. I, I would love for you to because I don't know where to start. That's fantastic. I can think of, you know, Scratch might be a little bit juvenile for them, but... I, I, it could be a good start. It could be a good start. I'm, let's, let's, I want to do that. Cool. Let's I need your help. <laughs> do that. Um, going back to, to last year's project with yes. the Ozobots, what were the kids' response to it? How did they respond to having to program and, and kind of what did they, what kind of feedback did you get from them at, at the end of the project? I got really mixed feedback from students at the very end. A lot of students claimed that they absolutely loved using the Ozobots. They thought they were fun and they'd never used them before. They thought it was really interesting. They couldn't wait to come to class and start playing with the bots again. But then, a lot of students struggled with the actual coding aspect. Mm. 
their lines weren't precise enough or their colors were too dark or their color was too light. So the Ozobot didn't behave or function in the way that students wanted it to because there was an error or a mistake that they made with their actual drawing of the lines to communicate those in those explicit instructions to the students. But it was really a good teachable moment because students had to realize, yeah, if I don't follow the, the directions exactly for some things, then it's not going to work the way I want it to. So it was a good way for me to remind students, you have to be precise. You have to be incredibly descriptive and detailed in order to get this little robot that has kind of a mind of its own to understand what you want it to do. That's, that's the basics of programming, right? I mean, right. you never get it right on the first try. No. So that was it a, you, you feel like it was a productive struggle for, for those, for those kids? It was a productive struggle for most kids. There were a couple kids who just absolutely did not have the skill of coding, which makes sense. I mean, coding's not for everybody. It's definitely not for me, but um, it was a fun way to get all students to try something outside of their comfort level and to have them try something new that they had never done. And it was really interesting to see the light bulbs come on at the end of the unit when they're like, oh, wow, I didn't realize that the Ozobot would actually teach me more about learning than a class would and that was it was kind of a struggle for me as a teacher because like oh maybe they didn't really learn anything from the from me about the odyssey but it's cool that they took ownership for their own learning so it actually i taught more than i realized i would by using this technology right and and the the kids i'm sure you talk about the kids who struggled and just never really did get into it those kids had other ways to express themselves throughout the the course. It wasn't all about programming. It wasn't all about uh, Ozobots. Right. And it was just a small small project. And I'm sure that some of those some of the the kids who struggled in other areas were like, yeah, Ozobots. This is this is my this is what I can do. This is my my comfort zone here. So. Right. So it, it really gave every. I try to structure my class to the point where every student will be successful at something, um, because it's really difficult to try to help every single student be successful every single day. But it's important to try different strategies. And I pushed my comfort zone and actually loved this project and it really made me enjoy teaching something that I typically don't. We'll have some pictures of some of Jarity's projects and we'll put them on our show notes. We'll put them on our webpage. Um, and thank you, Jarity, for coming to talk to us. Thank you so much for having me. It was fun. Thank you. That was perfect. Awesome.